Welcome to Box to Box Football. Hello and welcome back to the second part of our 2023-2024 Premier League review. A look at last season's top half of the table. We looked at the bottom half plus the three promoted teams. And uh, just remember, uh, just get out of the way. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Please leave a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter, box to box F-T-B-A-L-L, box to box football on Twitter or X, and box to box football pod on Instagram. So uh, we we taped the other night. You know, hopefully everyone listened to it, and uh, it's been a little bit of a crazy. Uh, how many managers have been fired since we've uh, last talked? There, uh, JJ, if you want to run, run some of the stuff down. Yeah, thanks, Sean. It's uh, for those that are that didn't listen completely, or at least from minute zero, second zero zero. We do record on Monday night. It is now a Thursday night, less than twenty four hours before the Premier League season begins. I know this is the day. Well, it feels like almost Christmas Eve, if you will. Just the night that we're waiting, we're waiting. It's finally going to be here. But yeah, things have happened. Uh, quickly flying through, and of course, a lot of our sources coming from the usuals, Fabrizio Romano, uh, David Ornstein, Sky Sports has obviously been on it as well, and then a few other outlets here in America. But Chelsea have been the most busiest, including ins, outs, oh. soon-to-be-ins, soon-to-be-outs, soon-to-be-destinations unknown. Todd Bowley clearly has enough money to do all this business, but the ends right now, David Washington from Santos, an 18 year old prospect uh, coming in close to 20 million. Tyler Adams, uh, American captain. He had his premier league, uh, his relegation contract clause executed by Chelsea. So 20 million from Leeds soon to be in. We're hearing Lavia from Southampton out right now. Loans. Uh, because that's what Chelsea do. They could probably fill four teams worth of just lone players. Uh, Slonina, the young American goalie, is going to go to Belgium. Uh, and Angelo Gabriel to Strasbourg. Lewis Hall, which is one that we might actually discuss at some point a little bit later on, uh, to Crystal Palace. And also uh, someone that I know, Mike Samsel, is very happy about uh, chap going to Leicester City. Is it uh, Cassidy? Caesar Cassidy. Cassidy. Okay, very good. And then the soon to be out. This is the one that's actually going to be interesting that we'll be keeping an eye on uh, probably by the next time that we record. Ziyech, Lukaku, Callum, Hudson-Odoi, and Kepa all potentially on the way out. The latter two, Hudson-Odoi to Fulham and Kepa to Bayern. Uh, Those are things to be keeping eyes on. West Ham signing Harry Maguire that we kind of teased a little bit on our first episode and James Ward-Prowse both in roughly spending West Ham about 60 million of the 100 million from the Declan Rice deal. Burnley, we. Now, though, so they got all the money they have. They're going to sell Paquetta, too, for 110 million. And we're going to get to that as well. We got a lot to get through here tonight. Um, Burnley, we already discussed Sander Burge. That was confirmed 15 million early on Tuesday morning. Aaron Ramsey, 14 million from Aston Villa. That actually might be the low-key move and maybe the most underappreciated move of this uh, transfer window. Um, Luton Town getting Ross Barkley, proper hard man, getting another run out in the Premier League. We said Lewis Hall already. Bournemouth also coming in under the radar. Max Aarons from Norwich City and Alex Scott 
no, not that Alex Scott, but this Alex Scott that's costing $25 million from Bristol City. And then uh, Chermetti from Sporting Lisbon to Everton. And yes, the manager moved the one of maybe a couple. And that's, I think, probably fair to start before we get into our top half. Lopategi out as it's been confirmed that he and the Wolves uh, front office do not see eye to eye. So break it off now. He's gone, and now in is Gary O'Neill. And I think probably the biggest one for all of us guys, Mike, we start with you. How much does this change our projections? A little bit, actually, because Gary O'Neill was almost in this exact circumstance last year with Bournemouth. It was a manager that wasn't happy with the money that was being spent in the early window. So they leave early in the season, and O'Neill finds a way to maximize that squad and to keep them up in the Premier League. O'Neill, if he can keep Wolves up this year, which I like his odds better than Lopetegui, and I like the fact that he has a couple of weeks in the window, even though it might not be much to do a little bit of business, I act. this actually makes me like Wolves a little bit more, and O'Neill is starting to build that reputation as kind of the next generation's you know, maybe Big Sam, maybe, you know, Roy Hodgson, one of those guys that's becoming that survivalist expert. Stu, I see you nodding over there. Anything that you want to yeah. throw into this? For, I mean, for myself, who has Wolves relegated, when I did see it was Gary O'Neill, that is something that I kind of went, ooh, interesting, because that is a guy who has proven that he can keep a team up. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he deserved to be let go at Bournemouth. So the fact that he gets the Wolves job now, to me, is interesting. I like them a little more. I still think they get relegated, but it definitely makes me think a little more like, okay, this is a team that can maybe stay up now that they have O'Neill. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I still think they go down. I think Bournemouth now, after just a couple of moves that they made, those are kind of like the table setters for what they need for the season. I think maybe even they could go as high as 14th. Though it's kind of funny because I was I've been watching a lot of you know, content creators and others putting out their Premier League productions. And it seems like places 11 through 17, you could really just put anybody in any one of those spots and you could justify it. But I do think that Bournemouth now probably are in a little bit of a better situation than where they were 48 hours ago. And uh, that brings us actually pretty nicely now to uh, outside of that chaos. Now we're in the top half finishers and uh, our resident Fulham expert fan extraordinaire, Kyle Franco, sir, the floor is yours for your beloved club. Yeah. Thanks JJ. Uh, yeah. Fulham finished 10th last year. Uh, you know, and I think when I look at that uh, on the whole, it probably overachieved a little bit from what the preseason expectations were, but Marco Silva uh, just did a tremendous job uh, with, with Fulham. He had them playing uh, an attractive style of football. They came up, they got off to a great start. I think, which is so important when you're a newly uh, promoted club, is that if you can bank those points early, you really start to feel feel good about yourself. Uh, you know, at one point, I think Fulham was as high as what seventh in the table. They were only six points off the top four. Uh, you know, then obviously they hit hit a little bit of dip in form and and dropped back, and they kind of recovered uh, at the end of the year and, and was safely, you know, was safe from relegation pretty early in the season, which was what I think as a supporter was a great relief, right? You kind of came in in the season and you're looking like, oh, this is this is going to be a real scrap. And then, you know, really, you know, pretty comfortable uh, by the midway point of the season. And, and you know, 10th place was a was a great reintroduction. Now the hard part is you got to stay in the division, right? You got to avoid that sophomore slump. Uh, not a whole lot of business for Fulham so far. 
Uh, you know, obviously the big thing is Marco Silva. They were able to hold on to him. They rebuffed an approach from Saudi Arabia. Alexander Vitrovic, we'll see. Uh, that There's a big Saudi bid in there so far. He's still with Fulham. He's a little disgruntled. Not the first time he's been disgruntled. Uh, but if they obviously if they can get Mitrovic, um, you, you know, back to buy in with the group, uh, that that would be huge because he's such a physical presence for them. He's such a focal point for what they want to do. Uh, you know, you know, they brought in Raul Jimenez from from Wolves uh, as kind of I think some Mitrovic insurance. Jimenez, look, he hasn't really been the same since he had that uh, uh, horrific head injury. Uh, you know, I think he's only had, got like one goal since he came back from that. In fact, that that he's even playing Premier League football is is a probably in and of itself uh, uh, a success. Uh, Calvin Bassey comes in from Ajax for $23 million to bolster some of that that defense. Um, yeah, I, I, again, uh, I think they need to get off to a good start. Like, they start with Everton, right? Uh, a team that I think a lot of us are projecting to be at the bottom, uh, you know, in a relegation scrap. I, I want to see Fulham, again, get off, like, get off to a good start, get get bank some points early, you know, feel, feel good about yourself, um, you know, cause, because, again, they're still a little short, I think, in, in the middle. They could use another player in, in, in the midfield. Uh, obviously, Paulinho, Paulinho was terrific. They, you know, they, they brought him in from the, the Portuguese league, and, you know, he led the league in, in tackles. Um, you know, I thought, I thought uh, Andres Pereira coming over from Manchester United was a, was a really good signing. I thought he was able to really express himself, um, and I thought he excelled at this level of, of club. Uh, again, need really good seasons from those guys. Um, yeah, you know, and, and obviously, you know, William is 35 years old now, right? They brought him back. He had a really nice renaissance when he came into the to the Fulham team. But again, it's William, Bobby De Cordova, Reed on 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 the wings. I, I think they could use another winger uh, to kind of help help in the goal scoring department. I rambled a lot there, so no, I, I look, <laughs> I you know, I, Fulham was really good for most of the year, and really until Mitrovic got suspended for you know 10 games or however long he was out, but. Then when he was suspended, all of a sudden they they just stopped scoring. They they just they all of a sudden went in the tank. Um, you know if Mitrovic isn't there, what's going to happen? I mean, obviously they're going to probably bring someone in if they sell him for fifty million to the to the Saudi league. They're going to probably bring somebody in, but you know who is going to score? They like he was an automatic at the beginning of last season. Automatic every week. Betting on Mitrovic to score. He's going to score a goal. He's this automatic for the first, you know, first 20 matches there. I mean, he probably scored in about 13 of them. So who is going to score if he's not there? If he stays, I think they'll be, you know, I, I'm i not sure. And, and Mitrovic, I don't know. Like, if he doesn't get the move and he's still in London and whatever, I think he'll put his head down and play. But, you know. You know, it, until that happens, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. When even when, when he was locked in, even when he's not scoring goals, he's a guy you have to account for, right? He, 100%. He, he, occupies, yeah. he occupies defenders. He's so big, so strong, such an aerial threat uh, that you have to defensively account for him. And that opens up things for other players. Um, so, obviously, he's a key part of, uh, of what they do. And, you know, you'd like to have him. But also, if, if he wants to go and – uh, you, you know, you're getting a big offer from the Saudi league for, for Fulham, you know, that you may be difficult to, to turn down. Yeah. You got to take it. I think one big positive, but sorry, Mike, just one big positive for me. If you're a Fulham fan played a friendly against Hoffenheim on the weekend, both new signings got on the score sheet. 
Um, I think that's, if anything, just to lift the mood of the camp a little bit. You always want that quick return on investment to get people going. That's huge. I also think the club did some great business, not only making sure that Willian comes back. I agree every, all the points with you on Andy Pereira. I thought probably the best football of his career last year, or at least most consistent. And then uh, Jedi Robinson, a long-term yep. deal because they fought off Man City, who desperately wanted him. And what, 2028? That's a long time to keep one of your key outside backs. I'd love to see him up towards the double figures and goal contributions, mostly on assists, because we know that he's capable of it. I think he just had one or two last season, but um, I, I think there's some positive signs to take away from this offseason, despite the limited amount of activity. And what I like about Robinson is, is he's a guy that he got a lot better, right? As he's, yeah. you know, I remember when he came into the, the U.S. national team camp and they threw him into a game against Brazil as a left back in a friendly and just kind of like, just kind of like fed him to the wolves and he had no chance and he would just looked like he didn't belong at that level. And then he goes back, right? He gets the, you know, he gets the move to Fulham when Fulham would, um, you know, in the Premier League the first time they get relegated, has a really good season with them in the championship um, as they come back up. And then I thought he had a really strong season. He's getting better and better. Like JJ said, I'd like to see him add a few more goal contributions, uh, but, but I, he's such a solid player. And it's nice also from a national team perspective that the U.S. no longer is looking for a left back. Like you can pencil that guy in for left back every single time out and, and you more or less know what you're going to get. Well, one of those Fulham pieces of business that is good business, I think is Callum Hudson, Adoy. Yeah. He's a great buy low candidate right now. He just really fell out of favor at Chelsea. Nothing particularly went wrong for Callum Hudson, Adoy. He just kind of lost the numbers game. If Fulham can get Callum Hudson Adoy, Kyle, I think it's hard to argue that's not a massive upgrade over Decker over Reed, even though he had a good year last year. Yeah, yeah. Look, they need any guys on who can add goals uh, and get into to dangerous positions. He'd certainly be a guy who who did that. Um, and now we'll uh, let me just uh, we'll take predictions on Fulham as we've been been doing. Uh, again, I thought they slightly overachieved last year. Uh, we'll see what happens with Mitrovic. I, I still have Fulham staying in the division. I've got him 13th this year. I got a lot of the way you described Wolves, Kyle, in the last episode. I got him finishing around that 14th, 15th window, but it's, hey, they're four points out. Are Fulham going to get pulled into this? Oh, no, they got a result. Now they're seven points clear. Now they're good. Yeah, maybe they're struggling for form. No, no, they're okay. They're seven points clear again. Just in that neighborhood, in the discussion, but not really in danger. Let's also not forget, folks, that new stand is coming in. What does yeah. that mean? More money, which means more money to spend probably in the January window because they're going to be a lot like the team we're going to talk about next. They're <laughs> West London rivals where I'm not too worried about them. I'm not worried about Fulham. Probably going to be a safe 11th or 12th, and they'll be fine for next season. Yeah, that's where I have them too. I have them at 11th. And again, keeping Marco Silva on board, I think, is such a key uh, to keep that consistency uh, for another year. So I think 11th is where I would have them. I would probably say, you know, 11th, 12th, some, somewhere around there. I think they'll be fine. Uh, I, you know, basically only had Chelsea into the top 10 from the bottom half. So maybe one of these teams slides down a little bit, but it's not going to be much. They'll be fine. All right. Now on to Fulham's West London rival, Brentford, ninth last year in the Premier League. Boy, are there some issues there. 
um, starting with you know, David Reyes going to, going to Arsenal for $27 million, or is about to go to Arsenal for $27 million, so they lose the goalkeeper. And then even a bigger loss for me, no Ivan Tony until January because of the gambling suspension. Uh, can this Brentford team repeat what it did with all those uh, uh, subtractions? Um, I think it's going to take a while for them to do it. And going into what I put together, what we all put together for this uh, preview on our own end, the Tony, how much they're going to miss him. I've been telling you how much they're going to miss him. 20 of the 58 league goals that they scored, along with four assists, aren't coming back right away. The good news is is Embuemo, uh, Visa, Jensen, and De Silva, who, by the way, I'm always going to stand with it. Josh De Silva, baller, his potential is probably pushing towards, not saying right now, but in a couple of years could be Premier League best 11. Um, I think his status is that high. The goals will be there, but Tony, you always just figured he had three chances a match and likely was going to bag one of them. The Raya loss is going to be more of a problem for me. I know that they just brought in Mark Flecken, who's likely going to slot in as at number one. Nathan Collins, I think, is also a very good signing to shore up a defense, which I know we don't read much in the preseason matches, but boy, did they leak in some goals. I think it was, what, eight in America across three games. That's not good enough for me, especially when you basically just played three teams that you're going to play twice this season, maybe even more in league competition. So they need to shore up both ends, but they're another club that you know they're just going to find a way. That money ball system has worked out nicely for them. And, yeah, they're going to be fine. Thomas Frank's system creates opportunities for goals. Ivan Tony is a great finisher. But I also think he benefits from being in a very creatively open system. He's an effective finisher. That goaltending situation is a massive problem. We will talk about Arsenal as this show goes along. David Raya will not be their number one as the season goes along. David Raya is their number one today. He's the best keeper on that team. He was the best keeper in the league, maybe other than Ederson last year. He was spectacular. This reminds me of when Sheffield United finished in that European spot when Dean Henderson had the season of his career, went back to Manchester United, they brought in Aaron Ramsdale, and the drop was so much that they went down. Brentford is in deep trouble this year with the loss of Raya. Wow. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I like Nathan Collins. Um, I, I think they have to just kind of stay afloat until uh, Tony comes back. Uh, you know, they're going to spend a little money, I'm sure. Um, they've already spent some money, so I think they'll probably spend in January as well. Um, I could see them maybe struggling down 12th, 13th, 14th uh, in January, and then Tony comes back and, 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 uh, goes gets on fire there for the for the final three months and you know they finish you know 10th 11th something like that top you know maybe around there because squad's not bad um thomas frank's a pretty good coach so um you know the keeper yeah i think is going to be an issue um it's interesting that rye is going to go and replace ramsdale uh who once again just uh started the tanking of uh sheffield united when they were up that one time but yeah it's you know uh, you got to kind of, you know, Flecken's got to step up quickly and we'll see if he's uh, ready to, to play in this league. 
No, I'm kind of in the same boat as Sean here. Like, I I think I don't think they're in a relegation battle. Um, I think they will be maybe 13th, 14th um, mid-year. And obviously getting Tony back will be key. So I do think – so I have them finishing 10th. I think they'll be okay. The one thing I will say about Thomas Frank and the way they've played since since they've come up two years ago is even when they play these bigger clubs – uh, they never play down like they never play like it's too big of a moment. They always play the Liverpools, the Uniteds, the Arsenals. They always play them tough. So I think the way that Thomas Frank has them going, um, I'm not too worried about them being a relegation team. I think they'll be just fine. Uh, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say Brentford 37 points at home last year, 10 wins and and seven draws. So the home form was very good. Likely are going to need to repeat that. Uh, for me, I had Brentford uh, 15th. This year, a little, I think, a little bit of drop off, obviously, with as you guys have mentioned, the, the, the change in goalkeeper and then not having Ivan Tony. Like those goals are going to be difficult to replace. Don't undervalue the quality of having that home field advantage, by the way, because the Brentford Community Stadium or the GTEC for sponsorship purposes that will win you games. I actually had a friend uh, who listened to episode one message me saying, "You guys might not know for Luton Town." how much that ground is going to make an impact. There are going to be some teams, and he's, again, speaking about Luton, there's going to be some teams that struggle going there. Same thing for the community stadium. Teams will drop points. Um, so it sounds like we're all pretty much in agreement somewhere between 11th and 14th yep. for Brentford. No issues, but might struggle. I, I got them a little more struggling. I think it'll be okay. tough. But again, 14th, 15th, they survive, but they only survive. All right, so now you know what's coming up, JJ. We know what's coming up. This is the first of the uh, the big hitters, the the classic big six that didn't finish in the top six. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur. This is going to be the first time that they're not going to be playing European football since 2009-2010. Though, ironically enough, that team finished in fourth place that season. There's always that debate about don't have to worry about midweeks you just play on the weekend the occasional cup competition you can save some players legs a little bit you can really focus on things during training for Tottenham that's a huge loss in revenue because they've been going consistently for a decade plus of European football also seeing yes the continuing almost feels like a soapbox saga of Harry Kane will he stay will he go feels like it's what a clash song at this point um He's going apparently now. I mean, we're recording in on Thursday night, 24 hours before the first Premier League match of the season. He said this has to be sorted by Friday night. Otherwise, he's staying for the first half of the season. If you're Tottenham, in my opinion, be kind of silly to not take in the hundred plus million that are going to be going their way. So they accepted the deal. It's now to Kane reports from Sky Sports and Sky Germany saying that he's en route to munich right now for his medical by the time this comes out he may already sign her he may already say no i'm gonna stay at tottenham this season but beyond that point this club right now it's gonna be a real wild season i'm not talking about the amazon documentary either well let's first first of all as well i mean their owner joe lewis just got indicted on (laughs) fighter trading charges and and when this, you know, that Southern District of New York and the FBI indict people, they don't indict people that are not guilty. They have like a 97% conviction rate, right? So, what's going to happen 
if they sell Kane, are is are they going to have money to spend? I know they've already spent some money. When you look at how much money they've already put out um, on Kulisevsky, Vicario, Madison, uh, Van de Ven, Velez, they've spent a lot of money. They, it, it seems like to me they've already spent the Harry Kane money. Like that would be my guess. So you know, is he going to give? Is he going to put that hundred and ten million right back into the club now? Um, look, they they were atrocious last year i mean they they just they were the most inconsistent team all all they were all over the place they'd play a really good you'd watch and they play really well and then all of a sudden you look at the next week and they were terrible um if they lose harry kane which seems like is going to happen who is going to score the goals they got you know who is skepsy and son, all these guys but you know son was scoring goals because Harry Kane was there making space and making runs and giving them the passes and all these assists. You know, Kane opened up the play for a lot of this. Who is going to do that? You can't replace Harry Kane. You you could try. You know, this is like when Gareth Bale went and they bought six players and they all were gone out of the club within two years. Like, who who is going to – you just can't replace Harry Kane. So, you know, I, I know they're not in Europe. I know, you know, they're going to be the cup teams and – you know, they, here's the other thing. At some point, you got to win a trophy. Like, they they just, every year, I mean, they got to a Champions League final. You got to win a trophy. I, they're sick of hearing Arsenal's, you know, winning trophies, FA Cups, and, you know, Manchester United won a trophy, and City just won the treble. You, you got to win a trophy at some point. So, you know, you have to try to compete in the FA Cup and, and, and the Carabao Cup as well. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think they're in for a long season. I don't think Spurs have any right of dreaming of a trophy this year. Oh, yeah. I don't think whether they kept Kane or not. Yeah. Um, there are certain managers that are built for moments, and then there are certain managers that you have to wonder about. Ange Postacoglu, he had great success at Celtic. The reality of the situation is 23 months ago, this dude didn't even have a UEFA license. He's now managing one of the big six in Europe. As you said, Sean, their owner is currently, checks notes, in custody of U.S. Marshals. That seems bad. That money is probably going to his legal defense fund more than it's going to the club. One thing we're not talking about, you talked about their acquisition of Vicaro. They're kind of pushing out Hugo Lloris. Hugo Lloris was the captain of this team. Mm -hmm. Harry Kane, you talk about his creativeness. Harry Kane was two positions. Harry Kane was a 10 and a 9. He created almost as much as he scored. He was everything for that team. They're too talented to be in the relegation battle. I don't think they'll be there. But look at all the scarves back here. I know this. This Tottenham team feels a lot like this Leicester City team felt last year. Shots fired. Um, I, you, you make a great point about Ange, by the way. And now, fortunately enough, and I'm crazy enough to sometimes get up at 7.30 in the morning on a Saturday. Though then again, most of us are because we're talking about the Premier League from the East Coast in America. I did throw on a fair amount of spfl matches last year and often enough on cbs sports network it was celtic so i watched a bit of what and would bring to the table yes 
having Harry Kane out of the lineup potentially is going to be the hugest loss of any club in maybe the entire football league system. But what Ange brings to the table is a system that benefits the betterment of the team. And also it's going to be one where you need 16 to 20 goal contributions from a number of different players because yes, there's going to be a lot of people that will have their claims about Scottish football. And it's basically how Celtic and Rangers are ruining that system. That argument can be saved for another day. But what he worked with was the fact that he had three or four top quality strikers and a couple of midfielders that knew how to basically work through each other. Sonny now is still there. As far as we know, he's not going anywhere. So this might be, he never lived in a shadow. They never had kind of that, complex but this might be his time now because he's always said that he wants to play for a winning team well guess what he's playing for a manager that has literally won just about every trophy that he could have ever competed for between his time in australia between his time in japan and scotland so sometimes playing for a winning manager yes maybe not to the level of what tottenham plays in the premier league but you never know. That could carry. I'm, I'm holding out slight hope, which I know the hope that kills us, but it's slight hopes too. Yeah, I am too. Um, I just think for a guy like Richarlson, is it's a huge year for him. He only had three goals last year. He had 53 goals and 152 appearances for Everton. He had three goals and 35 appearances for Tottenham last year. They need a healthy Richarlson. They need a big impact from Madison coming over from Leicester. So I think there's still talent there. Um, it's enough talent offensively and in the midfield, I feel like, to be a top 10 team. Definitely not a Champions League team. Definitely not a Europe team. But to be a top 10 team, I think they could still do that. Um, obviously, the Kane loss is massive. Larice, same same deal. So it, it's going to be tough for them to make Europe, but I do think they still finish in the top 10. Sean, I just want to hop in here quickly before I pass it off to you. JJ, the only thing I would say about the winning coach argument – Say what you want about him. If you don't win under Jose Mourinho, you're the problem, not him. You oh, can't I agree. tell me Jose Mourinho is a you know not a winning manager, but Ange Postacoglu is. Oh no, no, no. You're you're one hundred percent right. I'm just not in the same kind of delves and despairs that you are. Yeah. I, I I'm a little just a little more optimistic for them. They're not winning yeah. a, a trophy for years, but they're not gonna be in the relegation toils. They'll be like mid table obscurity again. I- I'm convinced I could probably win 73% of the matches in, in that Scottish league with the one. It's a, it's a one. It, you call it one and a half. I mean, Rangers every once in a while, but you know, I, I, I don't, I think they're in trouble. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't think they finished like 15th or anything, but I, I could see them down in t- down a 10th. It just depends. I mean, if they're going to splash the cash, maybe, you know, but once again, who are you bringing in? that is going to be anywhere near what Harry Kane – just if you look and see what they did with Harry Kane in the squad, like they never – they didn't win anything. They've, you know, been around the top four. They, I mean, last year, once again, they finished eighth with this squad. You know, if they finished eighth with Harry Kane, where are they going to finish without him? So I, I think like ninth, tenth, I think they're in trouble. Here's my, here's my list. So I've crossed out everybody from eight through 17 and changed it with somebody else and the, yeah. that's that's kind of how i feel like right now uh with some of these with some of these teams before you know before the season starts and uh i, I had spurs ninth then harry kane was going to Bayern, 
now I dropped them to 10th. Uh, look, I, I think they're going to struggle uh, uh, a little bit. Um, you know, I don't think this is a team that's going to contend for the top four. Uh, I don't think they're going to fall into the, the relegation places either. I've got Spurs uh, mid-table in 10th. I, I know we got to move on quickly here, but I just want to throw a couple of teams your guys' way. Without Harry Kane, mm. is Tottenham better than Brighton? Oh, that depends. Does Caicedo stay or go? No, he's gone. No, gone. Are they better than West Ham? Yes. Yes. I think so. Okay. Then, yeah, you look at them in that 10th range. They're not better than Villa. I mean, they're Ooh, not better, than, not better the, than Villa, no. They're not better than any of, the, any of the top four last year, plus Liverpool, plus Villa, plus Brighton. Yeah. That's seven. Yeah. So... You know, I Brighton, just don't think you can discount losing Lloris either and running him well, off. Well, you lose all your leaders. You can't yeah. lose all your leaders at the same time. You, if you yep. could lose a leader at one, you know, here and there and thing, you lose all your leaders all at the same time. The you know, especially after an eighth place finish, it's it's tough. I can uh, attack. Sean, you you mentioned the the next team on our list, and that's uh, a team that I know I have as a as a riser this year, and that's Aston Villa. Finished seventh last year, really. Finished in, in, in good form, qualified for the Europa Conference League playoffs, uh, which will be coming up at the end of the month. Um, you know, and they have the European specialist as a manager in Unai Emery. Uh, they brought in Moussa Diaby from from Bayern Leverkusen for for fifty seven million. Pal Torres comes in from from Villarreal for about forty million. Um, again, a team finished really strong last year. Uh, they have a manager who you know he he he, he didn't get it right at Arsenal the the first time. He went back to Spain. And, you know, I remember reading the story where he said, you know, I always wanted to come back to England to show that uh, I could do it. And I feel like a, a back is a better manager. And this Aston Villa team really took off uh, at, at the end of the season. And, and it's a team I really like coming into this year. Well, you talked about Unai Emery being the, um, the, the man at the helm for all those Europa League titles. But the architect is now the man that's up at the, the board for Villa and Monchi. And he is not afraid to spend cash and bringing the players that both he and Emery have worked with in the past. And those are, again, that key word, winners. I think now when, Mike, you you talked about are they better than teams X, Y, and Z, I think now this is where we start to have that serious conversation of is Villa right now better than any of those top four teams? Are they good enough for fifth? I think there's going to be an improvement. I don't know if it's going to be scratching towards that fifth, but I like this team, though. I agree with you, Kyle. This team excites me a lot. I love what they've done this offseason. Emmy Buendia went down. It looks like he ruptured his ACL. That's a big loss for them. Looking at Nicolo Zainolo um, from uh, Italy and Turkey, guy who is a big prospect. We'll see. I love the Yori Tielemans addition to this midfield. This is a rock solid midfield that has now added a creator with it in Yuri Tielemans. I think he's a great addition. Musa Diaby, we'll see. Sean, I know you in particular are quite familiar with the German goal tax. You know, they don't always translate over. Diaby was great at Leverkusen. We'll see how he does. But I'm a big, big believer uh, in this Villa team. I think they're solid at every position. When you, you talk about them, maybe, you know, who are they better than? Um, t- I mean, they're going to, first of all, they're going to spend money before the window closes. 
they have to get into they're in the Europa Conference League playoffs on 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 uh, August 24th and 31st which it should be noted by the way their matchup did come in uh they'll be playing the winner of either Hibernian of Scotland or Luzerne of Switzerland so they'll Hibs, be in the, Hibs won 3-1 earlier they'll, today they'll, so. so they'll they'll yeah. they'll be that's six nothing um, they'll be into that. I, I, I think, I, I mean, you saw what West Ham did last year. They won that. I, Aston Villa is going to be the best team in that. And that if they take it seriously, I think they win another European trophy. Uh, they, they, there's nobody that's going to be better in that tournament than them. Once again, though, if they're at the end of the season fighting for Champions League spot, um, you know, I, I think it goes – no, I, I don't know what they do. My, my guy Paul Dowling over in uh, Birmingham, he's a big Villa fan. He says they finish. He thinks they're top two. Uh, I, I don't I don't want to go that high. I think they're better than Brighton. I think now when we get to Brighton and, and the news that's just broken, um, I think they're better than I, – I think that there's a legitimate chance they finish ahead of Newcastle with Newcastle in the Champions League. I think their squad is deeper. I think they could get to – I think they could finish ahead of Chelsea – I think their ceiling is probably about fifth. And if something breaks, maybe top four. But I think they're about fifth and could be sixth. You know, they could be fighting with Chelsea. I think they're fifth, sixth. I think they're firmly in the Europa League spot. Yeah, I I thought long and hard about putting them in Champions League. I, I thought long and hard about putting them fourth. I didn't. I wound up putting them sixth. But I think with a great manager that they have, one of the most underrated and uh, best goalkeepers in Martinez. Great midfield depth, some attacking talent up front. Um, I know you guys mentioned a Buendia injury. That's a tough one. That is going to be someone they're going to have to replace uh, in the next 20 days. But it's a team I like a lot. It's a team that's really talented, and it's a team that I think can definitely make it to Europe next year, whether it's by winning Conference League or finishing top six. I, th- I think every year, if you want to say, okay, Man City, Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, if you want to say, okay, we think those are the big four right now um, based on what they did last year. But every year there's a team that kind of you look up at, at, at Christmas and, and New Year's that's sort of hanging around that top four uh, that maybe you didn't expect to to, to be there is in that top four. You know, you saw Brighton was there last year, right, kind of all the way to the end of the season. They, they were on the periphery of it. I think Aston Villa is that team this year. I, I, I'm super high on them. Uh, I, I've got Aston Villa fifth, actually. And, and, and I think they'll be pushing for those top four spots later into the season. I think and maybe eventually they, they drop off that pace a little bit. But, man, I'm, I, I really like this team. I, I, I think Unai Emery has got them going in the right direction. And, and I'm super excited to, to see what they do this season. They're absolutely coming out of this season with a trophy. Whether it be an FA Cup, whether it be an EFL Cup, or whether it be the Conference League Championship, I'm with you, Kyle. I think they're right there in the fight for Champions League. I like this team a lot. I won't tell you what order, but I will tell you in my table, they're in the Champions League. Okay. Is that a tease, Mike Samsel? Just tease us? Um, So... Sean actually kind of said a little bit of uh, intriguing news. I think this actually kind of works nicely to the next team that we're going to be talking about in Brighton. We've mentioned them a lot. I mean, what a season they had last year. Deserby ball comes in and they not only took the league by storm last year, they developed a number of really talented players that maybe a lot of us overlooked. I mean, let's be candid here. Brighton 
in the past they couldn't compete with the spending of the big six amongst other teams, but their scouting network has been sensational over the last few years. Uh, the likes of Matoma, the likes of, yes, we're going to talk about them now, Caicedo, Alexis McAllister. These are players that they've churned out and they've earned every right to be not only FA Cup semifinalists last year, sixth position in the Premier League, they're in the Europa League. But yes, Moises Caicedo, he wants to go. The club wanted him to stay. And now it seems that Chelsea were going to have the job done, but Liverpool now, I'm reading from Sky. 105 million to Liverpool. Liverpool have come in with that huge bid, and Caicedo wanted to go to Chelsea, but he's now open to Liverpool. This has to be done by tomorrow, by the way. Yeah, they wanted to get his medical tomorrow. I mean, Brighton's not going to turn down 105 million. They, but the thing about Brighton is they'll take that 105 million and turn it into four or five players. They have the best scouting department. I mean, Second City's City's the best. I mean, every they're selling people all over the place for for you know 15, 20 million from the youth. I mean, that's you know, either here or there, how they're doing that. But this Brighton team is going to find somebody for that. You know, they sold both McAllister and um, Casado here too. And Sanchez, they, they, I mean, they have Jason Steele already there, which, you know, Steele was really playing at the end of the season anyway. You know, Casado obviously is a big loss. They bought him for, you know, nothing. So they made a hundred million profit on him. Same with McAllister. You know, to me, you know, Casado is obviously the bigger loss. I think he's the better player. McAllister, I know he's in that Argentina team, but I think he was a little more of a – Casado is more dynamic player to me. Uh, you know, he's going to help out Liverpool, obviously, there. But, um, you know, you have to see who they're going to spend, you know, to, to do this. I think if they don't get some of these players in, all of a sudden this squad that wasn't super deep to begin with, um, you know, now you got to play Europa League, you know, on Thursdays and then go and play on the, the Premier League. They're not used to playing Europa League and that Thursday, Sundays. I think that's going to be a little bit tougher for them. So we'll see. I, I, I have confidence that they're going to spend the money properly because that's what they do. That was my big question. What Sean mentioned is this is this also you talk about Europa League and having to go Thursday, Sunday. This is the first time Brighton has done that. Right. First time for the, so it's something that it, it's a new sort of frontier for them and how you manage that with your squad depth. And if you continue to progress in that Europa League, how does that affect you uh, in the Premier League um, and having to kind of, you know, navigate that, that two fronts as a club? And do they have the depth to be able to do that? That to me is a big question for them. And you can see sometimes clubs, when that happens the first time, they slide down the table, particularly when they're not in a position where they're in Europe every year, where they're spending huge amounts of money like one of the big six clubs. Past performance is the best indicator of future behavior. How many times do we see the little engine that could finish in a European spot, buy a couple of guys, get into those European Thursday, Saturday, Sunday schedules, and plummet right back down the table? Mm-hmm. It happened to Leicester. It happened to Fulham. It happened to Burnley. Happened and it's going to happen here to Brighton. Newcastle. Happened to Newcastle. Yeah, well, yeah. They're going to survive. They'll probably be relatively boring 13th, 14th. And boring is probably unfair because they do play ambitious football. But 
it's not a team that's going to be at this level because it can't be. They're a selling club, and that's okay. They've developed an unbelievable reputation for themselves. They're a, a, almost an English Ajax, if you will, right? They're kind of developing those players, cycling them out, bring in the next generation, develop, cycle them out. But where you see these teams get in trouble is when they start to dive into veteran players, players like James Milner, players like Mohamed Dahoud. Those are where these type of clubs get themselves into trouble. I don't love Brighton's prospects this year to do much other than survive. So I'm going to be very interested to see what the rest of the window looks like, because what are they going to do with that Caicedo money? Because that probably will determine their fate of the season. Because I've had this thought in the back of my mind for a while. If they don't do much with the money, will they just perhaps say, okay, we're going to play the kids in Europa League? Because at the end of the day, it's not like we're talking about Champions League money where you know if you get out of the group stage, you're going to be getting much more cash. In the Europa League, you get a little money, but you still also have to make those long flights to places unknown. So they might, it depends. It depends on how big their squad is, depends on how deep their squad is. If they don't use enough of that money in the right places, or they just say, you know what, our focus is very much on the league. If we get through the Europa League group stage, great. But we're not going to make that a concern. Or they spend that money and say, you know what, we're going to try and give it our best on the all fronts. And that's where we see teams diving into those spirals. I'd personally like them to maybe use that Thursday to develop their their kids in essence and then focus on the league yeah mike and, and Stu, just last thing a, a, a name i want to put out there a guy they've been linked to quite a bit is muhammad kudus um guy who had a pretty decent world cup a guy who plays for for ajax um if that's a perfectly brighton type of player uh if he comes in they'll they'll be fine he'll be their player of the season i yeah. i'll just i'll just say this before we wrap up the bright discussion uh, now with the the caveat the, the kind of the carrot of a europa league champion getting into the champions league i do think that changes the way you approach that that europa league competition now like i understand that yeah you got to balance your squad and maybe you do that in the group stage there a little bit but once you get into the knockout rounds of that i I think you owe it to yourself you owe it to your club to your supporters that you go for it especially with that financial reward of the champions league carrot being being hung there at the end Uh, that that said um i I do think brighton takes a small step back this year uh six last year i got brighton ninth this year solidly in the in the mid table me too yeah. i have ninth as well there all right yep. all right on 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 to the on to the juicy stuff are we ready liverpool <laughs> I, forget, I always forget we're still in the europa league <laughs> all right jorgen Klopp's liverpool obviously we've seen that uh fifth last year they qualified for the europa league again uh, as we just kind of discussed, Caicedo sound, sounds like it's headed that way, that he's going to be coming in. They've also added Shobislai uh, from, from RB Leipzig, and they've already done business with Brighton once, $43 million for Alexis McAllister. He had a great year for the Seagulls. He's coming up, uh, coming off a, a year in which he was a World Cup champion. Um, and, and look, we'll turn it over to our, our resident uh, Liverpool supporter, Stu Kovacs. Yeah, obviously last year was a disappointment. To say it's a disappointment is an understatement. I mean, to, to finish fifth with the talent that this squad had um, was very disappointing. Uh, they desperately needed some midfield help. They've gotten some of that midfield help 
uh, with the likes of, like you said, Kyle McAllister and Soboslai, who are both uh, very talented players. Uh, the thing for me is they, they need more. They, they need Caicedo, which seems like it's a likelihood that's going to happen now. I think that'll be big for them because they need that defensive presence uh, in the middle of midfield. I mean, in the preseason, they've been playing Curtis Jones at the six or else uh, playing Trent Alexander-Arnold as a six and using someone else as the right back. It's just, it's been kind of a disaster with the midfield losing five of their most six senior guys. Um, and the changes had to be made. I mean, these guys were all getting over the hill. Nabi Keita barely played. Oxlade-Chamberlain barely played. Uh, Fabinho's on his last legs. Henderson's on his last legs. So they needed to revamp. So for me, if they do get Caicedo and they do get another center, they need another defender. They need a center back that can uh, push the likes of Konate and Matip, another guy who's older. Um, and if they're going to invert Trent Alexander-Arnold like they did towards the end of last season, they're going to need help uh, on the back end. So I think if they get Caicedo, get another defend, uh, a center back or a defensive player, I do think they can return to Champions League. Um, but we'll see. I, I never have a lot of confidence in uh, Fenway Sports Group. Uh, they've kind of been, you know, messing around for a while now. But if they if they make this move, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be a big move, and they will be back in Champions League. Stu, question for you, um, and it was a topic that was talked about a lot last season. Jurgen Klopp. I mean, this is a guy that is known to never really stay that long at a project he has been at Liverpool for quite some time now he's experienced the highs but usually when things go south and it's not just him there's plenty of managers that have said okay projects done on to the next if they don't make Champions League this season whether that's traditionally finishing the top four or winning Europa League do you think that it's time just to to move on if they don't make Champions League this season, I think it'll be the last season for not only Klopp, but Mo Salah as well. I think uh, he will he will go to Saudi. He'll take the Saudi money. Klopp will take a year off and then either coach the German team or, or find another job. I do agree with that 100%. If they can't manage to finish top four with all of the talent they've brought in, especially up top, and now they're revamping the midfield, uh, yeah, I think if they finish fifth or sixth, it's, it's going to be – problematic for Klopp and I I don't think he'll be back I mean I think Stu's pretty much hit everything that we really need to the only thing that I would probably add is I don't think as of right now that team is good enough to be any of the top four the current or the uh, most recent top four I think their only route to Champions League is going to be winning their Europa League I disagree with that because I think a lot of it depends on the health of Luis Diaz I think Luis Diaz, if he was healthy last year, they would have been in Champions League. And if he's healthy this year and he returns to form, not only do I think they get back to Champions League, but I think that Mo Salah burden starts to lighten a little bit. And I think this starts to transition away from being Mo Salah's club and transition into being Luis Diaz's. I'd like to see them get a big year out of Darwin Nunez. He wasn't nearly as bad as the internet makes it seem last year. No, he wasn't. Their first six, by the way, away to Chelsea, excuse me, home to Bournemouth, away to Newcastle, home to Villa, away to Wolves, and then West Ham home. I mean, if you're not taking at minimum nine points from that, where there are nine points at least gettable from that, 
If you can get more than that, then I'd very much say, okay, yeah, season probably on. If you get less than that, I think there are real problems. We've seen them start slow before as well. We have, but I think even then with the amount of teams that they have kind of coming up in the middle of the season, it could be a tough one. All right, everyone, clear out. Let Sean say nice things about Liverpool. (laughs) I think everyone thinks I'm going to say, you know, they're going to finish – you know, I wish they'd finish 20th, but there's no way this, team's, <laughs> this team is too good now. They got the midfield is good. You know, Casado, he, he, he's a player. I mean, he's a, he's a good player. McAllister helps them. Their midfield is better. Um, you know, Trent might play in the midfield, apparently. Um, you know, the squad isn't that bad. Liverpool, if you, if you look, I mean, they, they cycle a little bit. You know, he goes through these little cycles. I don't know how seriously I, – I, I'd be interested to see how seriously they take the Europa League in the first they, – they, they should be able to play some backups and walk through the group stage. And, you know, obviously I don't know if you want to get into a playoff like, you know, you know Manchester United had to do and then they had to beat Barcelona and then you go on. But, I mean, I, I don't I, – I think they're top four. I, I, I think they're – I, I, I'll, I'm going to say like third. I think they finished top four, and I think they finished third, third, fourth. Um, I just think they're too good. The squad's good. That guy, you know, Nunez is going to score goals. Sal is going to score goals. Diaz will be healthy. They're they're getting some players back. You know, they got Gakpo who's going to score some goals. They have a they have a midfield now. Their midfield was was terrible last year. That was why they weren't. And the the defense wasn't great, but the midfield was the problem. That was the issue. Their midfield now is solid, um, so they'll, they'll they'll finish top four. I think they're third or fourth. I I agree. I've I've got them fourth. I I still believe in Klopp, and uh, I think Liverpool gets back into the top four this year. Uh, and I got to finish fourth. Stu, do you think it helps that some of those guys that Klopp might have felt a loyalty to or kind of an obligation to have cycled out of the club and now he can pick maybe what he feels is his best 11 instead of guys he feels obligated to? Yes. Mil- uh, James Milner should have been gone a year or two before. Uh, Firmino was just never healthy the last two years. Really, after the year they won the league, he hasn't been healthy. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Oxlade Chamberlain, Abby Keita, again, guys that are were barely healthy the last couple of years. Uh, and it even feels like Klopp wanted James Milner back, wanted Firmino back. So maybe it's more of the fact that ownership, I think, might have stepped in and said, OK, it's time to let these guys walk. I think it was helpful, but I think they they definitely needed to, to move on from a lot of those veteran guys. Now, I would have kept Henderson, Henderson around uh, as kind of that Milner role to kind of, you know, teach some of these younger guys uh, that's the one thing I do worry about the midfield is other than Tiago you really do have a lot of new blood guys that are new to the league new experience and experience I should say so that's one little concern I have but yeah they definitely needed to get rid of some of these uh, older guys well as we now uh, discussed previously if they want to get into Champions League they potentially are going to have to jump one of these four teams that we're going to be discussing and the one the first one that we go to is the team that took everybody by storm in some sense of well they spent all that money because of the new ownership that they had and boy they spent it and they certainly delivered the goods that would be Newcastle United finished fourth last season Newcastle Thus far, they've already spent a bit of money. Sandro Tonali for 55 mil, Harvey Barnes for 38. Uh, 
Tino, uh, Livramento for 35 mil. There could be more on the way. The only man that has gone thus far, at least in terms of any sort of substance, Allenson Maximum with 28. Eddie Howe, I mean, what can you say? We, we knew the job that he's done previously could be one of the best managers in that league, and he delivered the goods once again. I think the big question for me right now, guys, and I know it's kind of something that you could speak to with City, for example, amongst a few others. Man, they've got a lot of high-priced talent on the, that team that they've got to keep happy. Now, the good news is they do have Champions League in addition to Premier League, so there is room for rotation. Um, they didn't have a blip last year that I thought that they could because sometimes you see that from teams that haven't been in that top tier for a while. You have great start, little issue obviously with the world cup last year it could have been very nicely built in for them but they kept going they kept going and now they're top four what do we think do they thrive in this do they even spend more money than they already have it's um, gonna be a strange one I, you know i you know they're gonna spend money in january if if they're you know, they're probably gonna spend money in January either way, but if they're struggling, if someone's there, they'll buy. I, I'm not. I, I don't know. I, I'm not as high on this squad as I think maybe some other people are. I like Isak a lot. Uh, I think he's gonna score some goals. Um, Callum Wilson's hurt a lot. Um, you know, I know Guimaraes. He's a good player, but he, he he's had some injuries. Um, I don't love their midfield. Um. Uh, I, I, I'm not as high on this team as a lot of people are. I thought they they really really massively overachieved last year. They got to the to the Carabao Cup final, obviously, and lost to Manchester United. Um, you know, I think when they go to the Champions League, you know, you've seen they haven't been in a long time. When you go, you know, this is a new team, and you get into this Champions League, and you're playing Tuesday, Saturday. You know, you're playing Wednesday night. Um, you know, in, in, um, in Italy and you have to come back and they're putting you on at seven 30 in the morning, the 1230 kickoff on, you know, on, um, Saturday. And, you know, they're complaining about it because that's what they do. I mean, Klopp talks about it all the time. The premier league puts these teams in the TV slots. So it's going to happen. You know, they're going to drop some points maybe last year. And the other thing about their thing, when you looked at their results last year, I mean, they, they got into the top four, but, I mean, they drew so many matches. You can't draw as you – know, they drew – they had 14 draws. Um, I, you know, at some point, you know, Liverpool is better. Uh, Aston Villa is better. You know, you can't draw 14 matches. I don't think you can draw 14 matches again this year and get into the top four. I think you're going to have to convert those to wins um, because City is better. Arsenal's better, Manchester United's better, Liverpool's better, Aston Villa's better. So I, 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 I'm not as high on them as some people are. I think you could take the same thing I said about Brighton and apply it to Newcastle with this being a first run through through Europe, except in the Champions League, you got to play your guys, right, in the group stage. You, you, don't, you can't rotate you know, your backups in through the group stage. Like, like you got to play your – your your top guys, and then you got to turn around and play a Premier League game that weekend. Um, so so again, that's going to be a challenge for them. Um, I do love Eddie Howe. I, I'll say this, I I thought that was such a smart hire that Newcastle made when they did because when they got that influx uh, of of cash 
from from the Saudi from the Saudi deal uh, when the new ownership group came in. They could have gone out and gone for a Jose a Jose Mourinho right type of manager, uh, maybe a, an older manager whose star is fading a little bit. Right, they could have gone out and signed older players whose maybe again star was fading a little bit and i actually thought they invested that money in their squad wisely first of all by hiring eddie howe and then with some of the players they brought in and and i thought he uh you know and i think you'll, you'll see it a little bit in that the, the amazon documentary uh that's coming out you that they're doing that that's going to be on newcastle uh, from newcastle season last year and i think you'll see uh the job uh you know i've seen the trailer for it you, You'll see the job Eddie Howe did in, in molding that squad and getting them to to play together. Uh, and, and look, that fan base there is was was craving a winner, uh, and, and they got it last year. And I think that fan base is totally behind this club, and I think that's going to help them uh, as well. Do I think they're going to get back to the top four? I don't know. I think maybe they get worn down worn down a little bit by the Europe. I got them just outside. I think they could qualify for for one of the, the secondary competitions. I've got them six. Just, just real quickly, too, the, the one thing, they're going to be in pot four in the Champions League because they haven't been in Europe in 11 years. So, you know, pot one is City, Sevilla, Barcelona, Napoli, Bayern Munich, PSG, Benfica, Feyenoord. Pot two is, I, it might be even more brutal, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Inter Milan, Dortmund, Atletico Madrid, Leipzig, Porto, Arsenal. They're going to be in a pot where they might have to play, you know, three brutal teams you know, twice. So, you know, Hey, you know, maybe they get through, maybe they don't, if they get into, you know, if they get knocked into the Europa league, all of a sudden now you're playing Thursday, Sunday in the second half and that changed your whole season. They're, so, they're, they're also going to be the pop four team though, that nobody wants to. Yeah, no, against. I think nobody will want to play them, but you know, you know, if they're in a, you know, they're in a pot with, you know, Barcelona inter, I don't even know, you know, so they, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, they can't get Manchester United and uh, Arsenal. But, yeah, no, I, I think that could play into it as well. Mike, go ahead. I, I, I do think there's a lot to be nervous about with this team. Um, one of the things that I think is huge for them, and it's not just because I'm a homer, though I'm a homer. Harvey Barnes is a huge acquisition for this team i saw a lot of people online kind of slagging on harvey and saying why are they not going after musa diaby and they're getting harvey Barnes. harvey barnes creates a ton of opportunities and with anthony gordon there as well the biggest thing that harvey barnes allows them to do is it allows isak to be in his best position which is a striker they don't have to play him outside anymore. So if Callum Wilson gets hurt, now that's a little less of an issue because Isak can still play striker. You have Chris Wood to come on and be that big physical body. As I talk through Newcastle, I'm probably going to contradict myself here like four or five times because there are things that I like about them and things I don't like about them. The one thing that I am very curious of is their huge offseason acquisition with Sandro Tonelli. Every big game I've seen Sandro Tonali play, I've seen him get bullied. And he doesn't he's want to be small there. for a holding mid. He doesn't even want to be there. Yeah. He's small for a holding mid. And Premier League, those big forwards, you know, players like that. I think Tonali could really struggle to adjust to this league. The other thing I would keep an eye on, we talked about everyone overachieving last year. Listen, I'm sure he's a fine fella. Dan Byrne had the season of his 
life. That's not going to happen again. And Joe Linton, too. Yeah, and Joe Linton, too. They're linked to some guys. You know, if they bring in a Gonzalo Inacio from, from Portugal or one of those guys, we'll see if they do any more business before the window. My one personal piece of advice to them would be stay away from Neymar. Don't get involved with that. Um, I like this team. I don't think they're a top four team. However, I think they win the Europa League. I'm just going to add in two quick cents because I know we still got a few more teams and we've uh, carried on for a little over yes. an hour already. Um, let's not forget, by the way, that the co- that Champions League for next season, there's, it's going to change because there's going to be the addition of more teams. Top five, I believe, as long as the club coefficients stay the same, gets into the Champions League. So they might not need to finish fourth and still qualify for Champions League without winning the Europa League. That's for another day. But what I do like, I know, yeah, Dan Byrne did play out of his mind last year. And you know what? I enjoyed it because I enjoy when individual yeah. players have, like just ball out. And you know what? He probably in his wildest dreams, obviously his dreams to play Champions League, but the reality is he was probably wasn't thinking ever of playing Champions League. He's going to be there. I like what Eddie Howe has done where he's basically kind of built units within each of the three lines, knowing that he's going to have to rotate. And he already kind of has the pairings that he wants for different games. And he might just literally roll out two different 11s, which is something that City's kind of done in the past. And gets guess what? It's worked for them, um, as we'll get to that in a bit. I'm actually more optimistic, I think, than the collective here. I think they stay top four. Um, It might not be as straightforward as it was last season because now everybody knows about it. But if there's going to be a problem, they're going to spend the money, as we said, in January. I think they finish fourth again. Yeah, I I thought about putting them fourth. I wound up putting them fifth. Uh, One thing I will say is I do like the Livermento edition. Mm-hmm. Um, Trippier is 32. He's still a very good right back. Um, but Livermore brings them a little something different. Someone that's a little more pacey. Someone that is a better dribbler. So I think that addition, especially with the added games um, of Champions League, uh, will help them. But yeah, in the end, I think they finished fifth. That would be my prediction for them. I would say uh, fifth or sixth. Vill- I think Villa, Chelsea, Newcastle is about the same. And I, you know, I think I, I think Villa. Probably Newcastle. I would say probably sixth if you had to pin me down. Okay, I'm going to put this next one on a tee and then let Sean and JJ uh, do their thing. But Manchester United, third place last year, so they're in the Champions League. Uh, they were the EFL Cup winners. They were finalists in the FA Cup. Uh, they made a change at goalkeeper. Andre Onana is in after $59 million from Inter Milan. David De Gea is out. Uh, he's a free agent. They've also brought in Mason Mount from Chelsea uh, for $69 million and Rasmus Holland, that's not Holland, that's Holland from Atlanta. Hoyland. He's 76, I'll get the pronunciation correct eventually. That's 70, That's uh, 76 million. He is injured right now. They've got some injuries in the squad, uh, but I'll, I'll turn it over to, to Sean and JJ to break down Manchester United. Yeah, look, I mean, Hoyland, you, you don't pronounce the D. It's Hoyland. Not uh, Holland. Hoyland. So you wish you had Holland. He'll be, he'll be ready for he's training, so he'll be ready probably for the Arsenal match, um, which is I think the third game. I think uh, you know Ahmad's not a huge injury. He's out for us twenty. He's going to go on loan anyway. Uh, Anthony Martial looks like maybe Inter's coming in for him. Uh, look, I, the signings are great. Like Onana, first of all, Deheya gone. The signings are great, but the bigger thing to me is getting rid of. 
all the trash. He started to get rid of some of it last year. To get rid of these guys that didn't really win a lot, and they were just part of this like terrible squad. Um, you know, De Gea's gone, Tell is gone, Alanga's gone, Maguire's gone, Fred's gone. You know, McTominay might go for you know West Ham spending money like crazy. Um, you know, Anthony Martial's gone. So now you have guys like Garnacho. Kobe Manu will come in and play when he's healthy. Like, I think he'll help. But, you know, they're going to bring somebody else in in midfield, I think, uh, after they start selling some players. But, you know, it was more important for me to get rid of all these guys. Like, Maguire, getting rid of Maguire and giving the the armband to somebody else was just as important as the guys they're going to bring in. They won a trophy. Uh, It was huge. One of my best days out in England uh, winning that. Um, you know, I, I they're going to spend some money. Donny Vanderbeek is going to go. I mean, the guys that are going, I, they're not the guys you are going to ever win with. You need to build guys. You need a squad that can compete with Manchester City. And now you see what Liverpool's doing. Uh, they're on the way to doing that. I'd like to see kind of who else they bring in here. Um, Tadebo or, you know... Uh, Amrabat or whatever, Pavard, they're linked with a lot of players. They're probably going to bring some players in. Um, I think it's going to be I, – I don't think you're going to see those kind of games last year where you just got, you know, absolutely demolished some of those guys in the squad once again. Uh, so some of the trash is gone. I, 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 you know, obviously I'm going to say I'm high on them. But I, I've been – haven't been as high on them lately – you know, last five or six years since we started doing box to box, before, you know, the last time. Um, so uh, I, I think they're in a decent spot. I have a couple of differing views on some individuals. First off, I know a lot of people have given Harry Maguire the absolute just run of the mill for so many years. You know, for a guy, we don't ever live in professional footballer shoes the guy served his club as faithfully as he could for all these years with all these people throwing stuff at him. And you know what? At times I thought he did quite well. Yeah. I'm obviously disappointed to see him go, but I'm always going to value people who do their job to the best of their abilities and stay as loyal as possible. Same thing with David De Gea. It was more time for me with De Gea to go, but I also think that he over the years and over some of the bad times he was a reason I mean he was basically Henrik Lundqvist with the Rangers circa 2015 through 18 where he saved that team on way too many occasions and he did did the same thing I'm a little disappointed on um, Diallo getting hurt because I thought that he had a really good preseason coming off of an outstanding season last year with Sunderland who's in the team uh, team of the year in the championship with that being said um we learned a couple of things last year. Bruno Fernandes is obviously one of the most talented midfielders in the league, and he is the right man to be wearing that armband. And Casemiro is an absolute Rolls Royce of a player, and he could be in that lineup for however long he chooses to be in that lineup. Uh, the continuity, yes, John, I think I agree with you on that. It has to be better. Um, they did have that run of 19 and 20 where they did get positive results which was probably the reason why they could have had that little bit of a slip towards the back half of or the back quarter of the season um, where they had some of those tougher outings that needs to go in some aspect um, because Onana did come 
to the camp so late. I'm curious to see how he just settles in. Uh, also knowing now that Tom Heaton got hurt. Uh, so it looks like Dean Henderson is going to be staying. How long he stays, that's that's still really up in the air. But um, see how those two kind of get on. And, yeah, I think for me it's can you take that next step in continuity, Mike Samsel? And if they do, then, yeah, they could push for second place. When you order Holland on Wish.com, you get Hoyland. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you had the opportunity to get Holland, and you let it slip because you didn't want to pay the agent fee. I know we can rattle on about that forever. He's going to be my, on Madrid next year, though, anyway. So. <laughs> my biggest problem with Man United, and it's been my biggest problem with them for the last five years, who has been the young player that has gone to Man United and gotten better? I'll wait. Garnacho? He was an academy kid. I'm talking about guys. That oh, you're talking in. about oh, they, young they him, I mean, they brought him in from Atletico Madrid. Did they? Okay. Yeah. Um, then that's one out of a wasteland of young players that have gone there and floundered, if not regressed. It's a Anthony, completely good argument. Yeah. Everybody was disappointed in Anthony. I think everybody's been massively disappointed in Sancho. Now you guys have had the money, and now you have the coach to get yourself out of that, right? Um, the the Glazers are spending enough that you can be competitive enough. Ten Hogs a good coach. You got yourself a Rolls Royce in Casemiro and Fernandez. They're great players there. This isn't a slight of Man United. But there are tiers to the Premier League now. And I don't think you've cracked into that top tier yet. So the ceiling is probably third. And you're in that tier with Liverpool and Newcastle United. Aston Villa has to prove they belong in that tier. But Aston Villa trying to fight their way into that tier as well. Sean, you're right. They have suckled out a lot of the Freds and guys like that, which I think is... Good. You know, guys that serve the club, but just weren't at the level that Manchester United want them to be. Kyle, I, I like this team, but there are just teams that I like more. And the reason that there are teams that I like more are because the transfers that Man United bring in, with the exception of Casemiro, I'm really speaking about the younger guys here. They always feel like they disappoint, and so I have no reason to believe that Hoyland is going to come in and develop when there's a wasteland behind him. Uh, didn't they lose their like first two games last year? Yes. Uh, yes. We, and yes. if I remember, I texted Sean. I said, Ten Hog uh, out. Uh, obviously, obviously. The game. They lost 2-1. Uh, they lost 2-1 to Brayton, and they lost 4-0 to Brentford. Then they brought Casemiro in. Look, Lisandro, they brought Lisandro Martinez in, who's a – you know, superstar. Very good. Very good. Uh, look, but I, I actually think Ted Hogg's a, a, a very good coach and he's starting to get a squad that, um, you know, he, he likes, he's molding it in, in, in the image. He wants it. Uh, I, I think this Manchester United team is, I don't know if they're going to win the title uh, with, with city and, and Arsenal maybe coming into the year is, is one, two, but I, I think you're going to hang on the periphery of that title race. Like I, I think they'll stay within arm's distance um, uh, of those teams, I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to o o overcome that. I've got Manchester United the third. Stu? I, I have Manchester United second. I think they are better than Arsenal. I think moving on from De Gea, I think bringing in a new goalie, I think bringing in um, Holden, 
Uh, I think that'll help them. Uh, I, I'm not a crazy Mason Mount guy. Uh, when he was linked to Liverpool, I wasn't over the moon about bringing him in. Um, I think it's a bit of an overpay, but I think it's an upgrade. I think it's a good player as long as they can find the right position for him. Uh, Fernandez is one of the best midfielders in the sport. I, I crapped on them when they brought in Casemiro. I thought he was over the hill. I did not understand that move. It was a great move. He bought stability to that midfield. Um, and now you have a full year of Ten Hag. So I think I think they're better than Arsenal. I think they finished second in the league this year. Sean, last word. Uh, they finish. I think they finished second, but I, I can see them finishing third. Uh, Mounts is an upgrade on Christian Eriksen. They played Christian Eriksen who, you know, c- collapsed and died and then was brought back to life on the pitch, um, you know, and was still kind of working back into it. Um, you know, they played him. They ran him into the ground at the beginning of the season last year. He played like 30 matches and then, he, you know, ended up getting hurt. Mason Mount, uh, I, I just think that the defense is better without some of the guys that are there. So I, I think second. They could finish third, but uh, I, I say second. I, I also think they're better than Arsenal. Uh, okay, yeah, Mike. I've got them fifth. I think they're the team that Aston Villa passes. Okay, Dr. No Fun over there. I've got them second, but it's going to be a distant second place, uh, which means that they'll be topping the next team that we'll be talking about, which is Arsenal. And you know what? I didn't think that they would be holding on to the lead in the league last year as long as they did. And credit to them because they kept fighting and fighting, but eventually, as they say, the class comes to the top and City reeled them in like a well-seasoned trout and it was a lovely dinner for the team up in the blue side of Manchester but Arsenal look I mean that that's a it's another quality squad they run back four of their 10 plus goal scorers uh from a season ago they brought in Declan Rice which was the move that it was really not so secret they were willing to spend as much cash as they wanted to to make sure that they got them in Timber in Havertz which for me, I'm actually still a little surprised on that one. Um, does he fit into that attacking sequence? Probably. Will it work? I'm not so sure about that. I think this could be a tough year for them. Not tough, tough, but now Champions League as opposed to Europa League. It could just be a little tough for them. Mike. Stu, turn on the Twitter camera. Arsenal's either winning the league or the Champions League this year. I mean, it's not I a love bad show. <laughs> I love this team. I love the offseason business that they did. I think Raya is going to thrive there. I love their back four. They clearly have a strategy the way bringing in Jorian Timber. He fits in well. Saliba, you know, we were talking about Rolls Royces with Casemiro. Saliba might be one of the best defenders in all of Europe. He's really, really strong. Ben White starting to settle into that right-back position there. We'll see if they can get the the help that they need on the left side um, with Kieran Tierney and, and guys like that. Uh, Leandro Trossard is not going to be a guy that wins you the Champions League, but I think he's been an outstanding addition. Declan Rice, obviously, to come back in and kind of quarterback – that midfield. Um, I have always been someone who bites on Kai Havertz. Um, Listen, everybody is going to sit here and say what they're going to say about Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz has scored a Champions League winning goal. Not a go-ahead goal, a Champions League 
winning goal. He's not going to have to play center forward on this team. He's going to be able to settle into that 10 role, which is where he thrived in Germany. And now he's going to have an opportunity to do it with a fresh start. This team is too deep across the board. They can trot out two starting lineups that are very good. Jesus needs to get healthy. They may need maybe a bit of help in striker. We'll see if uh, Balogun is someone that can step in and help them there and stay with the club. I, I'm I'm falling for it. You're all going to laugh at me at the end of the season when they finish sixth and are eliminated in the group stage of Champions League. I see no way this team doesn't win not just a trophy this year, a major trophy. Uh, that's all. Obviously, the Community Shield is a glorified friendly. It is not a major trophy. But I thought Arsenal beating Man City even in a shootout was something that Arsenal needed for its psyche. Uh, particularly after Man City reeled them in the way it did last year and, and really blew past them at the end of the year. I think to come out, uh, and, and first of all, they went behind in that game, and then they showed a little bit of character to, to come back uh, and get level and then win in a shootout. I, I thought that was something that, that, that Arsenal, um, frankly, needed Manchester City. Probably not, but I, I, I thought that was that's probably good for Arsenal's psyche coming into the season. And the other thing is uh, Saka is a, is a player who, who I love, plays out on that, that right-hand side. He can take you on. Uh, he can get past you. He can cut cut in on his on his left foot and and, and score from there if he has to. Uh, he was a guy who, you know, you know, I think he was, you know, he was in the England side. Uh, I thought uh, he had a breakout, real real breakout season last year. Can he become not just a star but a superstar this year with Arsenal in the Champions League? Um, and, and I think he's got the ability to do that. And if and if Saka has a superstar season, Arsenal's got a chance to win the league. Good shouts. Uh, <laughs> wow, and there it is. I, look, I, I, you know, like a true, talking like a true. Their collapse just happened. Their collapse happened just a little bit later than it usually does. Usually, it's February and March. It happened in April last year. Look, I, I, when you're not in any European competitions and you're only playing once a week, when everybody else is, you know, having to take that world cup break and you're playing and you know, 65 games, you know, Manchester city played 61 matches last year. Manchester United played 57 matches last year. You know, when you're only playing, you know, 30, 42 or whatever, because, you know, you get knocked out everything early. I think it's a little bit, I, 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 I want to see how they do it this year. Um, and I also think at some point that, that lack of a target guy is going to, I know they get goals from all over the place, but I think that lack of a target guy is going to come up, come and uh, hurt them a little bit. I, I think they'll finish top four. I think I, I have them fourth, but uh, I, I, I just think that, you know, they, what they really need to do is solidify a Champions League spot this year. You know, if they don't, you know, I, I, I just, you know, City's, City's ridiculous. They have two squads full of players. If, if, uh, you know, I, they need to solidify. They, they can't go into the season and finish fifth or sixth. They have to be in a Champions League spot at the end of this year to keep building and moving forward. Um, so I, I think they will. But, you know, I, I you know, I, there wasn't a lot between them and some of the teams behind them last year. You know, I thought they played really well for the first whatever five months and then they started to kind of regress. So we'll see if they can do that again to start like that. I just have one 
kind of prediction that I have. It's not so much of a placement type thing. They're going to have to make a decision at the beginning of 2024. The decision is, what do we go for? Is it going to be the league or is it going to be Champions League? Mike, you're 100% right. They've got the depth to do it both. I just think it's going to behoove them to make a decision. If they get out of the groups or if they don't get out of the group stage in it, the decision is already there. I think they, depending on the draw, I think shouldn't be a problem for them. But I think they need to value what's more important for them, both for the club, for the profits, and also just for what, you know, this current system under Arteta. You, you need a, a trophy, and there's the two major pathways to do it. I think for them, if they get out of Champions League group stage, they should go for that competition still. Yeah, I I think they finished third. I think they're right, like a tick, very tick below Man United. They're right there with Man United. I just think they're maybe two or three points behind United. I think, as you guys already kind of alluded to, I think the Champions League does hurt them a little bit in terms of you know all the games they're going to have to play and and the the quality of competition. And also, as Sean alluded to, I know. I just think it's a little too much pressure on uh, Gabriel Jesus. I just think they could use another striker, someone to step up. Maybe it's Balogun. Well, maybe they I, should give Balogun a chance. They keep saying me, they value him at forty-five million, but you value him at forty-five million, but you don't value him to put him on the field for you. Yeah. Like what? What you know? Like what? What gives, guys? You know, Gabriel Jesus yeah. is is hurt, and obviously, I want to see him do well now that he's committed his future to the to the u.s national team uh but like make you know make you know you need a striker right so either either play him or sell him but stop giving this oh we value him at 45 50 million well if you value that then put him on the field that's fair very fair i i um i got arsenal second by the way uh as we wrap it up and we head to the final team in our premier league preview um, you all know who it is. It's last year's treble winners, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City Premier League champs, FA Cup winners, and for the first time, the Champions League winners. Uh, they've done some business here in the in the summer. They brought in Vardial uh, from RB Leipzig, seventy-seven and a half million, the world's most expensive defender. Uh, and Mateo Kovacic comes over from Chelsea, twenty-five million. Obviously, anytime you have Man City, you have the financial fair play. They've got all sorts 115 of hundred and fifteen charges. <laughs> they have all kinds of financial fair pit. Airplay charges hanging over their head. Uh, that said, going for an unprecedented fourth consecutive Premier League title. It's never been done in in the Premier League uh, era before. So, guys, uh, I'll pose the question to you. Does it happen? Who cares? They're never, in five years from now, when they're, all these things go, it's all proven that they did all this stuff. Nobody in Manchester really cares because – they know it's all been done on the back of, you know, falsities and everything. They've been skirting this. So, I mean, they're going to win the league. I mean, they have two squads of players. I don't think they win the Champions League. I, I think somebody else wins it. They won't go back to back there, but they'll win the league pretty easily. I, Gundogan was pretty important to this team. I agree. Right? Yep. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ilke Gundogan being replaced by Mateo Kovacic is a massive drop-off. I don't think that's something you can discount. Gundogan was a big game player too. Yeah, like like you you had a big game. You knew he was going to pop up in the right spot and, and score you a goal or uh, come up with the the pass. 
leading leading to a goal. So so yeah, he's he's a that's a that's a major major loss for them. And as bitter as I am to mention it, Riyad Mahrez is a big loss for them. He now, faded a little bit at the end of last season in terms of his usage, but yeah, no, yeah. he was a very useful player for them. Now. If you're looking at replacing those guys with Michael Alisi, uh, Jeremy Doku, uh, some of the guys they've been linked to, maybe Pakita comes over from West Ham United, then all of a sudden you start to kind of replace those guys and cycle in that next generation. We all know how good Guardiol is. He's going to be a massive addition to that back line. It's going to cycle out probably Nathan Ake, you know, put him in the position where he can be uh, a second team player. But I, man, look at all of the massive moments that Man City has had over the last three years. Going back to the Champions League final that they lost, a lot of them rotate around Gundogan. And I don't think you easily replace that. Even if you have Man City's money, you don't easily replace that. And I think also to add to that as well, not so much of the guys that are in the team right now, because obviously that's a great environment that Pep has fostered over these years. But we've also noticed over the last couple of seasons that they tend to have, let's call it like a two week. Eh, we're just going to let this slide. We, we, we're not really you know that concerned about it. And the results kind of maybe keep things in the conversation a little bit. What you're talking about with Gundawan not there anymore if they have those and Gundogan was always featured no matter what, but especially in those moments where you needed a guy to just pick you up a little bit. And yes, you have a, a robot in Holland who could score a million goals a season because all you have to do is just tee it up to that meaty forehead that he has. Sorry, Olivier Giroud, but Holland has the much meatier forehead right now. If they have slip ups, can other teams find a way to make those slip-ups longer because you know that over the last couple of years they really haven't been challenged when they're at their peak they haven't really had to dig down all that much to get there i know obviously sean and i speak for the red half of manchester and sorry if sean's mention of the 115 financial fair play counts that will probably get you guys sorry uh has upset any of our listeners on the blue side of manchester because please stick with us um we we love those listens and make sure to give us great reviews as well five stars please and thank you very much um if they don't capitalize on those slip-ups that being the other team then other teams in city are going to cruise but if you do have three week long lapses then all of a sudden somebody could be there to catch you i don't know if it's going to go till april but it could just make things a little interesting. That's all. It, it, it could. You've just got to be so, so good to catch Man City. Yeah. Right, right. Like, it's just, you can't have any slip-ups yourself. So, oh, yeah, Manchester City might have a, a little low. And, you know, maybe maybe you play great for a month if you're if you're Liverpool or you're United, United or Arsenal. But, man, man, you can't have any slip-ups yourself in order to catch City. And, and that's why I think City is just, um, you, you know, the squad depth, uh, the, the talent. You know, there's only one early Holland, and he plays for Manchester City, and he is going to score a bunch of goals again. And he is just so difficult for anybody that there's not anybody in the world who can handle him, especially when City is firing on all cylinders. Um, I, I think they win the Premier League for for an unprecedented fourth consecutive time. I, I, I just don't see anybody stop stopping them. 
Um, you know, I know Arsenal gave it a good run, but uh, last year, but it, man, the way that Man City team finished, it just blew by them. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's hats off. You know, Pep, terrific manager, um, and he's going to cement his legacy as you know, arguably the all-time greatest manager by winning a fourth straight Premier League this year. Yeah, I think that I think they win the league, and I think they win it by at least ten points. Yeah, I don't see any reason why that'd be challenged. I, I think it actually could be that year where Jose said about United that coaching that team to second place finish was his greatest ever achievement. And what United were in 19 by like 19 points. Yeah. Like I, I think it could be that margin again, because I think Arsenal, as I alluded to a little, or it might not be okay. It might not be that much, but I think Arsenal will have to make a choice. And I think personally that going for champions league title might be in their better interest. They didn't even lead the league until the end last year. And they won almost by 10 points. And they, they, you know, they had to chase, chase down Arsenal. If they actually played to their potential, which, you know. All righty. So for those that have stuck with us here for minute Ooh. 94, which is also, we still have another 10 minutes of a uh, stoppage time because remember, by the way, folks, we're now going to world cup levels of stoppage time. So get ready for playing into the 105th minute of game. We're you know, Fergie time. Well, we're way past Fergie time right now. We're in Infantino time. Um, <laughs> love to get some predictions from everybody. Now we have the usuals, the golden boot, the player of the year, keeper of the year. Who's going to win the sack races and who's going to get fired? If anyone has a bold prediction, um, or even for our EFL championship correspondent, Mike Samsel, uh, who will be the teams that will come up? I'll, I'll probably want to get into that one as well. But, um, Sean, let's hear your player of the year for the Premier League. Uh, I mean, it's probably going to be Hollins, but, you know, if he gets hurt or something and Manchester United finishes second, I, you know, maybe Bruno Fernandez. Uh, he's in the middle of everything. My keeper of the year is going to be Onana. So uh, I think he's going to, I think he's going to make a difference. But I, I think that defense is going to be more short up, but I, I, you know, if city wins the league and Holland scores 30 goals, it's going to be Holland. So. All right. Stu. I like yeah. you for the golden boot. If it's not going to be Holland, is it? Who? If it's not going to be Holland, it'll be Salah. Um, but I do think it'll be Holland. Um, bold prediction, I will say David Moyes is the first manager to get sacked uh, during the regular season. Yeah, I was about to say because Lopateki's already been yeah, sacked. Yeah, I was going to say, if something he doesn't count, we're, we're, we're going to go David Moyes. Fair enough. Um, Kyle, over to you. Let's go best defensive record and keeper of the year. Uh, best defensive record is is going to be Manchester City. Uh, they're just not, they're just not good. Ederson is Ederson is probably the best goalkeeper in in the league. Now he doesn't get tested all that often because of the the players he has in front of him and the way uh, you know City plays and the way they keep the ball. City will have the best defensive record. Keeper of the year. Can I can I make a homer pick and take Matt Turner, uh, who I think is is going to. Um, you know, really excel. I look, I, I love it, everything about his story. He didn't start playing until he was 14 years old. He was a baseball player who just kind of, you know, stumbled into soccer by accident. And just the way he is, he is risen and the way he carries himself, um, that he's, you know, the, the number one goalkeeper now for the, for the national team. And now he's got an opportunity to go to Nottingham Forest. Um, it looks like he's going to get a chance here to, to be the number one there, to play every day. He's certainly going to see a lot of shots. Um, and we know he's a he's a terrific shot stopper, um, and I just I, I think Matt Turner is going to have 
you, you know, a, a, a terrific year and he's, he's a guy who's easy to root for. So it's, it's a homer pick. Um, but, but uh, I'll say that. I'll do my sack race because I think it actually could be a little closer than we think. Everyone would say Paul hecking bottom for Sheffield United because let's face it, that could be a challenge. It'd be like the third I, time they fired him anyway. Yeah, exactly. But I also think as well, because of the more exodus that we've seen from Palace, it's not so much that Roy is going to leave because he gets fired. I think he might just see nothing positive coming from this season, and maybe he might just identify. I think, Mike, you actually said this in our last episode, that maybe there could be someone that comes through all of a sudden and says, yeah, this guy might be better for the project. So yeah. that would be the honorable thing to do. So it's going to be a little bit tighter in there. And now over to our EFL championship correspondent, Michael Samsel, for our teams that will get promoted, which we know one of them will be your beloved Leicester City. Okay, first of all, words hurt, and I didn't appreciate that. Okay, What? what whoa, why? <laughs> um, quickly, was, though, I, I just no do want to give. There whatsoever. <laughs> serious. Um, Oh, oh, if Olisi moves to Man City, he's going to be in discussion for player of the year. Mm. Um, I, I think of him that highly. Championship, I really uh, – Lester does not give a single solitary bleep about defense. Not one. Uh, I, I'm curious to see if that will bite them or not, but they're just so much more talented than everyone else in the league. Um, it's kind of hard to imagine that they're not going to win that league running away. And I was a little nervous about it going in, but having seen some of the championship teams, and I actually think pretty highly of Coventry City, uh, I, I think that Leicester's going to win the league second. I think Leeds is pretty strong too. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if Leeds comes straight back up. I like what Michael Carrick is doing at Middlesbrough. Uh, I think they have a chance to to be good uh, playoff teams if you're looking for. Sunderland is very different this year. I don't think they're going to be able to get back into the playoffs. I like Millwall. I like Coventry. I love the brand of football that Ipswich plays. Uh, Southampton probably going to be a team that is in the playoffs as well. But I will go with Leicester, Middlesbrough, and the Fighting Ed Sheerans to be the three teams that come Ooh. up. Leicester, Norwich, Watford for me. I just love seeing the fact that non-parachute teams are getting into the Premier League. Yeah? That, yeah, it's great. Well, West Brom actually interesting is out of their parachute money. So yep. it's going to be interesting to see how they fare this year because they haven't done any business. That might be a team that has a high reputation that may finish lower in the table than I think a lot of people are expecting down in the uh, down in the championship. I, I think they could be in a little bit of trouble. But quickly, JJ, I know you like the EFL as well. What? Give me your uh, give yeah me your three coming up. Yeah, so I had Leicester as well. I think it's just going to be comfortable for them as I closed out the app, and now I have to reopen it. So I apologize for that. Um, I am also in the uh, the side that Ipswich are going to get through through the playoffs uh, because I spoke on a different chain with you that I'm really fascinated to see what they in Plymouth do this year because Plymouth play a pretty interesting brand of football, but Kieran McKenna is an outstanding coach turn manager. He's going to do wonders over there and Burrow. Yeah. Burrow would be my second team. So it'd be Lester Middlesbrough and then Ipswich. So yeah, pretty much the same thing that you had. It's late at night guys. It's almost nine o'clock. 
Oh, and by the way, the Women's World Cup is kicking off in like 13 minutes. <laughs> it's late. It's almost 9 o'clock is the single oldest thing ever been uttered on 150-plus episodes of this podcast. Yeah. Sorry. We gotta, I think we got to end it on that right there. <laughs> uh, you know, listen, uh, if, if you're still here, thank you for listening. Box to Box Football, we went through all 20 teams that are going to uh, contest the Premier League this year. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us reviews, a five-star review. You know, tell us if we went too long, if you want more, maybe you want three hours of content. Obviously. No one wants more. <laughs> no one wants more. Follow us on, on X or Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. And, uh, you know, we will be here again next week, and we'll have some actual games to talk about. So the whole you know, first uh, round of, of matches. So that should be interesting. We'll see if there's any surprises. So uh, for everybody, uh, thanks for listening and watching, and we will see you next week.